You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's sermon is preached by Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, we talk often about how the saints of God in the Old Testament were waiting for, for the Messiah. This is true, and it's good for us to remember. From Genesis 3, remember that first promise in Genesis 3, all the way to the last chapter of Malachi, which we heard last week, The Messiah is promised, the one who would come to rescue the people from sin and from death and from the power of the devil. This is Jesus, the long-expected, the desire of nations, the King of kings, God with us, the one born of the Virgin in Bethlehem, the Son of David, the Lion of Judah, the Seed of Abraham, who would bless the nations. He is the prophet like Moses, the King who will sit eternally on David's throne. He is the one who will bear the sins of the people and heal them with his wounds. He will be lifted up and he will draw all people to himself. And all the prophets spoke of him, of this one, of Jesus. They spoke of his two natures, that he would be both God and man. They spoke of his suffering and his resurrection, that it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer before he entered into his glory. And they preached the forgiveness of sins, In this Messiah's name, the forgiveness and the salvation that he would bring. So, whenever we read the Old Testament, whenever we meditate on the preaching of the prophets, we expect to hear about Jesus, rightly so. We look for him there. But we also notice, and this is a curiosity, at least it is to me, we also notice, especially in the preaching of Isaiah and the preaching of Malachi, these two prophets, that this Messiah will not be alone that there will be another who will come with him. In fact, another who will come before him, a forerunner, one that will prepare the way. Last Sunday, we heard from Malachi chapter 4, Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the great and terrible day of the Lord. A few minutes ago, from Malachi chapter 3, we also heard these words, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. It's uh, actually to just note this in Malachi chapter 3, that there's two messengers in that verse 1. Malachi 3, 1 has two messengers. The first is John the Baptist. The second one is Jesus himself. The Lord, the messenger of the covenant, will come to the temple. So there'll be a messenger to prepare the way for the next messenger. Next week, we'll hear from Isaiah 40, if I remember our lessons right. And that also preaches the same thing. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now, this preaching of the messenger to come before the messenger is the preaching of John the Baptist. The one who would go before the Lord, who would make a way, who would lift up the valleys and tear down the mountains so that there would be a straight path for Jesus to come. And this John the Baptist we know. We have a picture of him in our imagination. He's there in the wilderness. He's wearing his camel skin robes. He preaches these fiery sermons denouncing the sins of the people. We remember how his mother and his father, Elizabeth and Zechariah, were old and childless when the angel announced to his father as he was serving in the temple that he would have a child. And he laughed and he was silent for the entire nine months We remember, this is one of John the Baptist's great triumphs. We remember how John the Baptist 
in the womb still of his mother Elizabeth, that he leapt at the word of Mary, who was pregnant with Jesus and came to visit. Perhaps most famously, we remember John the Baptist when Jesus came down to the Jordan River to be baptized by him. And John recognizes Jesus and says, you should baptize me. But Jesus compels John to do that work of baptizing. And he does. And when Jesus is baptized, he comes up out of the water and John sees the Holy Spirit descending on him in the form of a dove. And he hears heavens open and the voice of God the Father speaking, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. John the Baptist hears that and he sees that and he preaches that. Twice, in fact, we have in the first chapter of the Gospel of John, the Apostle, the preaching of John the Baptist, pointing to Jesus, saying, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist preaches that this Jesus, this Jesus will be the scapegoat, the one long promised. He will be the one on, on whom all the sins of all of the world, including your sins and my sins, would be heaped, and He would suffer the punishment for your sins in your place so that you could live. He is the Lamb of the atoning sacrifice, the Lamb of the Passover sacrifice, the Lamb of God who would bear our sins. Now, I think this is John's greatest moment. Standing in the Jordan River, pointing to Jesus, and preaching this sermon. Sinners, the one standing here is your Savior. Listen to Him. Follow Him. Believe in Him. You have in Him everything you need. Eternal life and salvation and forgiveness and everything else. But it's Interestingly enough, that is not the gospel lesson for today. For while we do hear about John, today we have not John in his good days, John the bold preacher in the wilderness, John the one who was not afraid of anything, John the one who stood there pointing to Christ. No, today we have John at the end of his life, John in prison, John being punished because he had preached to Herod about his sexual immorality and he had been arrested and he's being held there and soon he would have his head removed and it would be served, his head, would, if you can imagine it, would be brought to Herodias, Herod's second wife, on a platter. We're right there in the darkness with John. Instead of finding him filled with zeal, we find this morning John the Baptist full of questions full of doubts. His disciples are visiting him in prison, and he sends his disciples to go and find Jesus and to ask Jesus if he is the one who is coming or if they are still waiting for another. In other words, go and ask Jesus if he is the true Messiah. Go and ask Jesus if he is the Savior. Now, before we get too far into this, the consideration of John's questions, which is really what I want to think about today, I, I, I want to maybe just pause for just a moment to consider with, with you how strange it is that so many of our Christian heroes have been to prison. Joseph, remember, was in prison in Egypt. Jeremiah, the prophet, was imprisoned in Jerusalem. John is here in Herod's prison, probably in the fortress at Machairus on the east side of the Dead Sea where Herod was there getting ready to mount a military campaign on the Edomites below him. St. Peter went to prison, remember? The angel had to rescue him. 
And St. Paul, it seems like he was always being thrown in prison. (laughs) Philippi and Jerusalem and Caesarea and Rome at least once, probably twice. Even Jesus was in chains. And if his trial would have been a normal trial, he would have spent time in prison as well. It's, it's an important reminder to us when we consider this, that the kingdoms of the world and the kingdom of God, they, these kingdoms don't always see eye to eye. But how the world defines good and evil is, does not always match up with the way that the scriptures define good and evil. And there are times when God commands things that the government forbids, and vice versa, that God forbids things that the government commands. And in these times, the Lord's people, the prophets, the apostles, and you and I must choose to follow God, not man, and to be willing to suffer the consequences, even prison, even death. Now, to do this, think about it, to do this is particularly difficult. To stand and suffer for doing the right thing We always, at least I always think that the devil should, uh, well, maybe not the devil, but that that I should be, I should get in trouble for my sins. And when I manage to do a good work, that, you know, you should be lauded for doing a good work. But it always seems like it's the other way around, doesn't it? You do a good work, and that's what causes all the trouble. (laughs) You try to do something right, and the devil hones in on that. And this, I think, is, is part of the struggle with John the Baptist. He's in the midst of it. He was out there preaching, doing what God commanded, preaching repentance, that is law and gospel, baptizing, fulfilling his office as a prophet, preaching Christ. And for this, he's thrown in prison. And Jesus hasn't come to rescue him. In fact, and I I think this is an amazing sort of thing to note, is is that every time somebody dies in the Gospels, Jesus comes and raises them from the dead. The only exception to this is John the Baptist. He's the only person to die while while Jesus is still alive. Jesus lets him sit in prison. He lets John be beheaded. He lets him go through all of this suffering and for doing the right thing. And so John wonders of Jesus, are you the one? Are you truly the Savior? Now, this question from John, by the way, has caused all sorts of trouble from Bible students and especially from preachers. Uh, The question is this, was John really doubting his own preaching? Or had he lost confidence in Jesus? Or is he simply sending his disciples to Jesus so that they would follow him? You see? And the text, I think, leads us to incline to both. That both of these things are happening. That John is truly fighting his own struggles, his own doubts. He is truly wondering if the things that he preached is true. But as he fights against despair, he also has faith that trusts in Jesus. After all, he sends his disciples to Jesus. And in this, he shows himself to be a true Christian. In this struggle, he shows himself to be a true Christian. And I think for us, there's comfort and wisdom here. I mean, we're tempted, I'm tempted to think that all the great uh, fathers that we have in the faith were always so uh, profoundly secure in their faith and their belief and their trust in God. We We think of John the Baptist and his boldness. We think of Jeremiah and Isaiah in all of their confidence. We think of Peter and Paul being willing to, to die for their faith. 
But as we study the Scriptures, we see that this, in fact, is not the case. That being a Christian is not having a faith that never wavers. That being a true Christian does not mean that you never doubt or you never despair. In fact, our our Lutheran fathers call being a Christian, the Christian life, and true worship, they, they, they say this, it is faith fighting against despair. We've talked about this before, but I, I cannot think of a more wonderful phrase to get after the, the difficulties of this Christian life. Faith fighting despair. Faith fighting against the devil. Faith fighting against our own flesh, our own reason, our own doubts, our own uh, unbelief that dwells in us also. The devil wants all of us to stop believing in Jesus, to stop trusting in His Word and His kindness. And so he assaults our faith with doubts. You have doubts? So did your brother, John the Baptist. You have questions? So did your brother, John the Baptist. You wonder about the truth of the Scriptures? And Jesus' love for you? So did John the Baptist. Now these doubts and these questions and these struggles come to us for different reasons and in different places. But I think especially we are to consider in the text that these troubles are caused by... uh, that these questions are caused by struggles. When things go poorly, when we suffer, we start to question the truth of the Scriptures. John could say, if you, Jesus, are the Messiah, then why am I in prison? And if John can wonder this, you can wonder the same thing. It doesn't make it right, but it gives us some comfort to know that we are not alone. We say, Lord, if you're in charge, why am I sick? Or, Lord, if you're in charge, why am I poor? Lord, if you're in charge, why am I always in trouble and fighting on every side? Lord, if you're in charge, why are things so bad, so bleak, and it seems like there's no hope? Lord, if you're in charge, why am I in the midst of all of these troubles? Jesus explains this a little bit in the parable of the sower. Remember the seeds that fell uh, amongst the rocks? They grew up quickly, but then the sun came. It scorched them, and the, the plants started to wither. So our own troubles fight against our faith. Our own difficulties fight against our trust in the Lord's Word. Now, the comfort that we have is that we are not alone in this. In fact, as we read through the Psalms, we see psalm after psalm, David and Solomon and the sons of Korah and and the sons of Asaph always praying, Lord, how long? How long till you answer our prayers? How long till you... you Stop turning your face from us. How long will the wicked go along ruling over us? How long will they turn my my glory into my shame? How long? So there's comfort in knowing that we're not alone in this. But, and here's the point, with John the Baptist, there's more than comfort. There is also wisdom. Because look at what John does in his distress. Look at what he does when he has these questions. 
Look at how he acts, how he responds. He sends his disciples to Jesus. He doesn't look into his own heart to see if he really truly thinks that Jesus is the one. He doesn't lean on some sort of philosopher. He doesn't start to speculate. He doesn't, and this I think is the most important of all for all of us, he doesn't look around to see how things are going in his life to figure out what's true. We always do this, right? Uh, Things are good, then God must love me. If things are bad, then God must hate me, or maybe there's no God at all. John does not do this. He looks to Jesus. He says to his disciples, go, go and talk to Jesus. Ask him, are you the one? And what he says, I will believe. This is wisdom. That when, that when we struggle, and when we doubt, and when we have questions, that we don't turn to our own resources, but rather we turn to Jesus himself. And look what Jesus does. He sends the disciples back with the Scriptures. Go and remind John what you have seen, how I have fulfilled all the promises of the prophets, how I've healed the sick and cured the blind and raised the dead, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Jesus points John to the Scriptures because, dear saints, it is the Scriptures through which the Holy Spirit works to give you faith and to sustain you in the faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So what do we do when the devil assaults our faith? What do we do when we have doubts? What do we do in the midst of our struggles? The answer? We open our Bibles and read them also. Don't forget to read them. (laughs) Don't just open them. We come to church and hear the preaching of the gospel. And we find in the scriptures and in the preaching of the word, we find Jesus and Jesus finds us. And he stands to fight back against your doubts. Not chiefly with arguments, but with promises. He comes to us and he reminds us of his love for us. He comes to us and he comforts us with his forgiveness. He comes and says that he came to seek and to save the lost. He came to be the Savior of sinners, to be our Savior, to rescue us from this body of death. Faith, your faith, comes from hearing this, from hearing the word of the gospel. Faith, says our Lutheran confessions, in the same neighborhood where it was talking about faith fighting against despair, Faith is born of the gospel. Hearing his word strengthens you against your own doubts. Now, we don't know this from the text. That, that We don't have the account of the disciples going back to John and reporting what Jesus said. But it's not too far of a step to assume that they, in fact, did what Jesus said that they went back to John and they preached to John the sermon that Jesus taught them to preach, that they found John in prison and they preached to him the Scriptures and that John the Baptist was able to face his death, the loss of his head, in the confidence that, yes, Jesus was the one to come, the Savior, 
the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, that John was able to face his death with all of the confidence that the Lord's Word provides. And this is our comfort. Because we are the same way. We all have troubles. Jesus promised it. In this world, you will have trouble. We all have our sin, and we all have to face up against it, knowing that because of our sin, we deserve God's temporal and eternal punishment. And we all are going to die and face the end of our life or face the end of the world, whichever comes first. But we face all of these things with the confidence that God's Word is true, that Jesus is who He said He is, your Savior, your Redeemer, your resurrection and life, your friend. The preaching of the Scriptures is true. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And with this word, we have the confidence to live and we have the confidence to die. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.